The second Senate impeachment trial of Donald Trump begins tomorrow. On this podcast, I'm going to give every single reason why I believe Donald Trump is innocent and should not be convicted. Coming right up. All right, how are we all doing, folks? Welcome to the Sound of Dow. So the second Senate impeachment trial of Trump is set to start tomorrow for supposedly inciting an insurrection, which is funny because I always thought insurrections are like armed revolutions that take place with guns. What happened at the Capitol really seems to me more of a riot to me. Like, I think riot is the better word. But, uh, you know, make it seem as big and bad, as scary as possible, so that way we can make it sound like Trump literally incited a full-blown revolution in our streets. Yeah, not true. Because if it were true, you'd be seeing it happening. But in this podcast, I'm going to give every single reason why I believe Trump is innocent on these charges and why he should not be convicted. Okay, so this is going to be a counter to everything you're seeing on CNN and, you know, hearing from the Democrats in the trial tomorrow, everything, all of that. So let's get started. There's a a plethora of reasons. But to me, obviously, the first reason is this whole trial itself is really not constitutional, in my opinion. According to the Constitution itself, the purpose of impeachment is to impeach and remove the president. How can you remove someone from office who is not in office? How can you remove a president who is not the president? Taking from the language of the Constitution itself, quote, Judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office and disqualification to hold any hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. Notice, now the reason they're saying this is still okay is because they're trying to say, well, we're trying to prevent him from holding future office. But notice it says, and disqualification, implying that removal is a part of it. And if you can't remove someone under impeachment because they're not in office, then the very premise of this trial is flawed and unconstitutional. Further, the language of the Constitution itself states that, Quote, when the president of the United States is tried, the chief justice of the Supreme Court shall preside. Now, if you haven't heard, John Roberts has announced that he will not be presiding over this impeachment trial. So we're having an impeachment trial. The Constitution mandates that the chief justice of the Supreme Court presides over the impeachment trial, but the chief justice himself is refusing to preside because he basically believes the whole thing is bogus then it's not a constitutional impeachment trial. The Constitution clearly states you need the chief justice. So if there's no chief justice, uh, no trial here. But but quite frankly, I'm not going to talk about this whole argument a lot. You'll probably hear it a lot from the Trump legal team. But to me, this is actually not the best argument. I just wanted to put it out there. But to me, this is not a good argument. And let me tell you why. So we had this argument with Rand Paul's resolution, okay? And, And we lost that argument, ultimately, because... 55 senators voted that it was constitutional. So this trial is happening regardless, right? And to me, that whole argument is kind of a cope. It's kind of like, well, it, even even though that's not what it's what's going on here, it does give the impression that like, well, uh, we think Trump, we kind of know Trump is guilty, but we're just trying to get around that by saying, hey, look, the very premise of the trial is not constitutional. And honestly, I, I would prefer not to even talk about that that much because I feel like that's sort of a deflection from the actual merits of these charges themselves. And and I actually want to talk about these charges because the, the, the premise of these charges that are being brought against Trump are, are fundamentally flawed. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But really quick. But to me, I guess the more important argument here is because I, obviously we know these people don't care about the Constitution. So really bringing up the Constitution is, is, is not the best argument. But 
you notice that over the past four years, they've always talked about how Trump is violating our democratic norms and how we need to protect our democratic norms, quote unquote, because our so-called democratic norms are, are so, so important. And yet what they are doing with this, and there is genuinely no denying it, is just completely politicizing the impeachment process. It's turning the impeachment process into political circus. And to be fair, we always knew that impeachment was prone to politicization. It's just the nature of the process, and there is no getting around it. But we are supposed to try to avoid politicizing impeachment. And impeaching people that have already left office, right? Because the, the purpose of impeachment was meant to be if a president was a, a, an open danger, sitting president was an open danger, and it's like, we need to get this person out of office or this person has committed serious crimes and needs to be removed immediately. That was what it was for. It was not meant to posthumously punish and just get back at someone you didn't like leaving office. And they always talk about democratic norms and protecting our institutions from politicization and stuff like that. I mean, this impeachment trial is a banana republic crap. I mean, it, it's third world crap. It's trying to take political vengeance and as much as they talk about a peaceful transition of power. And that, that, that is the tradition in America. Like once, once the, the past president is gone, he's gone and, and the new administration just moves on. And that's the exact opposite of what we're seeing here, okay? And so for people so concerned with our democratic norms, it's extremely odd to see them cheering as democratic norms are blatantly broken with all this. But anyways, all that stuff out of the way, let's actually assess the merits of, of, of these charges themselves. Did President Trump incite an insurrection on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th? Well, well, let's take a look at what they're saying. Let's take a look at their argument for all of this. So they're claiming that the speech he made on the White House ellipse, which began prior to the Capitol Hill riot, was what incited the Capitol Hill riot. But it's important to point out the obvious. When President Trump asked his supporters to march over to the Capitol. He was not promoting some, people are acting like he was promoting some spontaneous event. Like he, like the, the, no one was planning to go to the Capitol before. And then he said, go to the Capitol. And then everyone like stormed over there like an angry mob. Okay, let's be clear about what was actually happening on January 6th. There were a multitude of planned events, peaceful, pro, planned peaceful protests throughout that whole day. Okay, and the schedule was you, you would be at the White House Ellipse, Trump was going to speak at about 11 a.m., and there was already a Rescue America rally planned at the Capitol long before Trump said anything about the Capitol. As a matter of fact, that was what President Trump was promoting himself, an already planned out peaceful protest event at the Capitol that was already scheduled to take place. So for people who, who pretend like, he, oh, he just he just randomly sent a bunch of people to the Capitol, that's not true. Everyone who was a Trump supporter in, and who was in D.C. knew that there was going to be this massive event at the Capitol because it, it, the plan was, okay, I'm telling you right now, folks, the plan was for the peaceful protesters to start at the Ellipse, listen to Trump speak, march over to the Capitol, protest outside in front of the Capitol. And by the way, another important detail that day, Trump's speech that day began at about 12. It started almost a whole hour late. And people left, a bunch of people, like I'm not just talking about a small amount of people, but a bunch of people left in the middle of Trump's speech to head over to the Capitol, okay? And among the crowd of those very first people who left were the people who started the storming of the Capitol, who started the riot. Okay, so if Trump was what caused this, Trump is what, to, what's to blame for this? If Trump's speech, oh, it was all because of Trump's speech. Why would the people who actually started the riot itself leave in the middle of Trump's speech if they're listening to dear leader Trump here and not acting on their own merits? You also have many intelligence reports that state that the people, the people, the specific group of people who were storming the Capitol that day that started it all 
were planning days in advance to storm the Capitol. So how could it be Trump's energetic speech that caused the riot when these people were acting entirely on their own accord? And then in terms of Trump's speech itself, how much clearer can you get than peacefully and patriotically? We have come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated, lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Today, we will see whether Republicans stand strong for integrity of our election. Guys, I, I, I don't see why this is even a debate. A politician called for a peaceful protest outside a government building during a very important and significant event. Is, is, that, is that some far out, out, out outlandish thing? Peaceful protests occur outside the US Capitol on basically a daily basis. And straight up, he called for peace. So what is the standard that is being set here? Oh, that speech is violence. That, that's basically what the, what the standard they're setting here. Speech is violence, even when that speech does not call for violence. As a politician, here, here's the standard that it appears to be setting, which is a, a, a standard that is re rebuked by a century of Supreme Court rulings on the First Amendment. This is the standard that's being set, up, set here. The standard that's being set is that anytime a politician has supporters who commit acts of violence, that politician is to blame. Now that's an extremely dangerous standard to set and basically kills the entire idea of free speech because hey, what you said might be used by someone else to commit violence, even if you call for peace, even if you say, do it peacefully, just just, just because that person supports you, they are, they're automat you are automatically guilty of inciting violence. But if we're going to run by that standard and you knew this was coming, if we are going to run by this, that standard, then most Democrats in the House of Representatives and the Senate are guilty of the same exact thing Trump is. Because apparently, if this is the standard that we're setting here, anytime a politician holds a rally or endorses some type of, of protest that ultimately turns violent, that is violence. You might look at this and be like, hold on, wait a minute, and that's exactly it. Hold on, wait a minute. So would that suggest that in 2017, when a Bernie Sanders supporter went and didn't just unarmed to try to beat up Congress people, but actually went up to Republican members of Congress and shot at them, literally actually hit Steve Scalise, nearly killed Steve Scalise with a gun? When that Bernie Sanders supporter did that, was Bernie Sanders guilty of that action? Because again, this is the standard we're setting. Any politician is responsible for their supporters' actions even if they don't call for that violence because, because they, they, they had charged rhetoric because they said fight like hell. So, okay, so does that mean that because Bernie Sanders has a lot of radical rhetoric, radically speaks out against Republicans, because Bernie Sanders says mean things about Republicans sometimes, is the standard we're setting that Bernie Sanders is to blame for the congressional baseball shooter? Oh, but it, it, it gets far worse than whatever Bernie has said over his career. Uh, remember this, folks, from Maxine Waters herself? If you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. How about when Nancy Pelosi incites insurrection herself by saying that she's surprised that there's not uprisings all across the country. I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be when people realize uh, that this is a policy 
that they defend. Now, I've been listening to Democrats and to the media and trying to gather what exactly it is that Trump said that they believe this is what incited the insurrection. And I've basically this is what I've universally heard, which is when Trump says we got to, quote, fight like hell. Okay, because he says if if we don't fight like hell, then we're not going to have a democracy left to save. That was the incitement to violence, saying we have to get out there and fight. Are we just going to I'm I'm very confused by this standard. Quite frankly, I'm very confused by it. Because that would suggest that like every time a politician says you got to stand up, you got to fight for your rights, which is what politicians on both sides say on a regular basis, that is the incitement of violence. By that standard, by saying we got to fight like hell to save our democracy, by that standard, like everything the Democrats have said over the past four to five years could strongly be considered an incitement to violence. Not just what Nancy Pelosi was saying about uprisings, not what just Maxine Waters was saying by you get out, literally saying, and, and I quote, you get out and you form a crowd and you surround people who work in the Trump cabinet, which is like far worse than anything freaking Trump is saying here, okay? But beyond that, if, 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 if saying we got to go out and fight for our democracy because our democracy is under siege, or our democracy is being threatened by the other party, that's the incitement of violence. Like, like you're saying that the other side is a threat to democracy? Uh, hold on a minute, folks. The what? So saying the other side is threatening our democracy, that's the incitement to violence. Dude. They have universally labeled Donald Trump as a fascist, as Hitler, as the, the grand threat to our democracy for the past four years. Everything I hear about Trump, the other, every other sentence from politicians, from media figures, you name it, he's a threat to our democracy. He's destroying our democracy. The Washington Post slogan under the Trump presidency was literally, democracy dies in darkness. So literally at every single turn, these people the past four years have been saying that President Trump is killing and we have to get out there and fight for democracy. But yet, when President Trump says the same exact thing that they've been saying the past four years, that's not free speech, that's, a, that's an incitement to violence. And by the way, all of that anti-Trump rhetoric has not happened with any shortage of violence committed by the left, okay? With any shortage of violence against Trump supporters. You have all these Trump supporters who were assaulted, hurt, some were killed over the past four years. As an indirect result, arguably, in the same way you'd make this argument that Trump in- incited the riots as an indirect result of democratic rhetoric. BLM, the, 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 the BLM and Antifa, the, does, that, does that even need an explanation? And yet apparently their counter argument to all of this is that, well, it's different because he's the president and it's different because you can't compare BLM because BLM was burning down stores and these people stormed the Capitol. What kind of standard is that? Okay, incitement to violence is incitement to violence. Violence is violence. It doesn't matter to what scale it happens or who the violence is against. In terms of law, and maybe in terms of public opinion, you're like, well, this is worse than this. But in terms of law, in terms of in, in legal court, there has to be some type of objective standard as to what incitement to violence is and what violence is, okay? The rules don't suddenly change when you're the president. Guess what? The First Amendment applies to the president too. So if everything the media and everything, oh, all other elected officials have said about Trump supporters, about Trump these past four years, if that is protected speech, if that, that, that's free speech, that's political speech, but because he's the president saying the exact same thing, that's not political speech? 
what legal basis is that? Where to show me where in the Constitution or where in any legal doctrine it says the, the the president of the United States has different codes for what free speech is than 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 the rest of everyone else. That's not how this works. You have to have some type of objective standard as to what incitement to violence is. And if violence results from that, you have to treat it equally. Okay? You you can't just ignore. Oh, see, this violence occurred because of this politician. But it was smaller scale than this violence, so we, 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 we take the larger scale, we pay attention to the larger scale one, but totally ignore the smaller scale. N not only is it like, oh, not as much of an impeachable offense, but it's literally, it doesn't exist. Like, it, it just straight up doesn't exist. Th that, that is no standard to go off of. That standard makes absolutely no sense here. And most of all, we're, I mean, we already knew this, but now we're, we're seeing with our own eyes in real time just how little these people actually have any regard, any regard for the, the concept of what free speech is in this country. Because check this out, because here's what I've been seeing from them in the past 48 hours. Since they know that talking about that speech of the White House ellipse on January 6th is not really the best argument because there's a pretty clear and obvious tape of Trump saying, quote, peacefully and patriotically protest. Now they're going back further than that. Now they are saying that, well, it wasn't just because of what Trump said on January 6th, it's the very fact itself that Trump questioned the election results at all. Check out this clip from our uh, lovely friends over at CNN. What, what they're trying to do on the Trump impeachment team, Brooke, is to create uh, some distance between the president uh, and, and what took place uh, at the Capitol on January 6th. They are saying when he said things like you have to fight like hell that he was talking about his election concerns, which is interesting because it is sort of a sly way for these uh, Trump lawyers uh, to inject the big lie that the president's been peddling for uh, months now, uh, that the election was stolen from him, felt like their lives were threatened, mm -hmm. uh, to sort of uh, put the president on trial from the standpoint that members of Congress's lives uh, were put at stake, were put in jeopardy uh, by virtue of what the president said on January 6th. Uh, the Trump impeachment team is trying to say no, uh, the, the president was just talking about his concerns about the election results, uh, but of course that, that again goes back to this big lie that the president has peddled over and over again that somehow the election was stolen from him, when of course we all know it wasn't, Brooke. Yep. The other thing, and Jim talked about this, they do not disavow the big lie. They keep the door open in this brief to argue the big lie. They say, well, there's evidence both ways. Who can say? The quote is, they say, Donald Trump therefore denies that his statements about the stolen election were false. So they're keeping the door open to that, I think, very dangerous argument. You hear that, folks? Questioning election results is incitement to violence. Questioning election results is not free speech. It's not protected speech. By the way, you know, that, that, that's a really great way to make people believe that you didn't rig the election. Like, make it, make it illegal to question the election results. Oh yeah, clear, clearly we have nothing to hide here, guys. Yeah, okay, okay. But you hear that, guys? You, you hear that? You hear that standard? We're not even talking about the January 6th speech anymore. Now we're saying that the very fact that Trump questioned the election results itself, that is an incitement to violence. It is not free speech to question the results of an election. Keeping aside just how, how dangerous these standards are, I mean, wait a minute, what? What happened four years ago? What's happened for the past four years? I mean, you have Hillary Clinton literally said, said outright, okay, she said outright that the election was stolen from her. Same thing as Donald Trump, okay? Like, again, these people are guilty of incitement of violence by their own standards, okay? And I know it's easy to say, well, obviously they have double standards. Obviously they, they, don't, they believe in a one-party state, and that's true. 
But luckily, uh, we have something called the Constitution, and nowhere in the First Amendment does it say, well, this thing right here, this only applies to re re Democrat. No. Okay? Under what we consider to be political speech, and wherever you want to draw that line, I mean, there's a pretty clear legal standard. If we're going off of the legal precedent that the Supreme Court has set as to what is protected speech and what is political speech, Trump is easily innocent. But whatever standard we're going to create based on political speech has to be an equal standard, okay? Not because the Democrats want it to be, because the Constitution requires it to be. And every single thing they have said as to, well, this incited violence, that incited violence, every single thing without fail, without fail, can easily be used against them in the fact that they've said the exact same thing at an earlier point. And left-wing violence, well, there's been no shortage of that the past year, the past four years. And they'd probably respond to that with a reasonable response to say, well, this is like a country of 323 million people. We're not responsible for what every single person who supports us does. We don't call for that. We don't endorse that. Well, guess what, folks? Neither does President Trump, neither did President Trump. But if we're creating these standards, you are guilty by every single metric. And by the way, there is no legal basis for those standards, okay? Because what the Supreme Court throughout the decades has defined as, well, this is protected political speech, this is an incitement to violence. What Trump said under basically all legal precedent in this country would easily be considered to be protected speech. But if we're gonna throw that out, at least create some type of standard that is equal to everyone because, again, the Constitution requires that. It doesn't just let you create these different rules for people. I mean, it's as simple as that, really. A lot of people used to think it was sort of like right-wing propaganda. They're going to create hate speech codes if they take power. They're, they're going to literally be infringing on free speech. But you heard it. You heard it now here. I mean, people are now saying out in the open. Out in the open. That questioning the results of an election, Jim Acosta saying this on national TV, and, you know, they're not far away from the Biden administration. They're not away from the actual politicians in power. You literally have these people saying on national TV that questioning the results of an election is not free speech. And then what's next? Basically, every, every right-wing, every conservative opinion soon enough is going to be considered an incitement to violence. You believe in lower taxes, incitement to violence. You believe in restricting immigration, incitement to violence, hate speech. It, it, it's coming way faster than you think, folks. It's no longer is, is it some right-wing out there talking point. It's true. These people have no regard for free speech. They have no regard to the First Amendment, and they are trying as hard as possible to define every conservative viewpoint further to the right of Mitt Romney as not protected political speech. And that's what's going on here. For now, for now, you might see that standard only being applied to President Trump, but I guarantee you I'm next, you're next, we're all next, okay? Because obviously it's like, well, if Trump says this and it incites violence, then wouldn't it also mean that if this person says this that also incites violence, throw them in jail for inciting insurrection. That's what's happening next, you know? And of course, it's, it's a one-party state thing. They always talk about how Trump is like a third-world dictator, but really it's they that are third-world dictators. Because they, they've created unequal, unequally enforced, imbalanced rules regarding political speech itself. How very dangerous. How very authoritarian. Anyways, folks, that'll do it here for this podcast. We're going to be streaming definitely tomorrow night and probably Wednesday and Friday night, most likely as well. Um, following the impeachment trial, we'll give you sort of the rundown on 
what happened, our thoughts, our recap. We'll probably get some guests on it. So be sure to stay tuned on this YouTube channel. We're going to have a, a lot of streams and stuff coming. But until next time, until then, remember, if you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give it a five-star rating. If you're listening on Spotify, be sure to subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe and leave a nice comment. And until then, remember, folks, Alpha Moves Only. I'll see you guys next time. Peace.